0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast called Prepare the Way, Prepare for Change. So I just want to say it's going to be a great Sunday, and we're, we're launching really our Christmas season, our, Chris, our Christmas uh, series, and if you follow the, uh, really the traditional Christian calendar, we're given these rhythms uh, within the church that heal us, that lead us, that teach us, that guide us. And so this would be um, the season of Advent, Advent which means uh, 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 waiting and expectation for the arrival of Christ. And so as we really look at that, and we look at that the gospel is a gospel of hope, aren't you thankful that we have hope, that the story of Jesus gives us hope? And I want to really hone in through these next four weeks leading up to our Christmas celebration on December uh, 26th. So Christmas uh, comes on uh, the 25th this year, obviously, which is a Saturday, and then uh, the 26th is Christmas. Uh, But as we look um, at uh, really the story of Christmas, uh, today I wanna preach a message titled, Prepare the Way, Prepare to Change. Prepare the Way, uh, Prepare to Change. And when we look at the purpose of, Of the gospel, when we look at the purpose of Christmas, uh, we have to look at its certain characters that led up to telling the story. Uh, The gospel message we know isn't just a New Testament story, right? That it was foretold by the prophets, and the prophets would would declare uh, to prepare the way, and there would even be a New Testament prophet known as John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. And so, I want to look. And really my heart is as you open your heart to the spirit of God, is that just as we look for the second coming of Christ, there's also a principle that Christ reveals himself in fresh ways in our life, that there's second comings, continuous comings of Christ, his revelation, his goodness, his promises. And I just gotta ask this morning, could anyone use a fresh coming of Christ into your life? Could you use some winds of change to blow on your situation On your family, well, as we look to Advent and as we look to the story of Christmas, the 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 focus is put in on the waiting, and I love this time of year because we never really celebrate waiting. We live hurried, we live rushed. We want to get to the promise. We don't really want to put in the work or to put in the waiting and to trust God and His timing and for His best. So every Christmas season, it's a reminder. That there is a good principle and a good practice in waiting, and as we prepare the way for Christmas to receive the fullness of Christ, it comes with some change. Now, none of us like change. Um, none of us in really embrace change. But when you when you decide to become a follower of Christ and to live out your walk with God, you have to be ready and you have to be willing to change. It just it's what comes with it. And one of the main themes and focuses of Advent, Advent is repentance. And repentance is, just like we sang this morning, it's his kindness leads us to repentance. And when we experience the goodness and the kindness of God, it's, it's simply this. It's when you change your thinking, you change your living. That when you change the way you think, it should then trickle into how you live. That you're stepping out of sin, you're stepping out of folly, you're stepping out of of evil even as it talks in in Proverbs and you're stepping into wisdom and, and into the righteousness of God that we understand we're justified in him. And then as we're justified in him and put right, then we live this life of sanctification, which is walking out our justification. And so there's all these amazing things that as we prepare the way to receive him, we just don't say, okay, God, I believe here I am, you know, drop heaven into my life, but there's things we have to clear out. It's just like, Many times we we say that I want more of God or I want more of the Holy Spirit. When he looks back and whispers and says to us, I want more of you. And so when we lend ourselves over to the person of God, to uh, his son, Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, what we're saying is we're making room, we're preparing the way. And as we prepare the way, there's gonna have to be some changes that you and I are gonna have to make. And so I wanna look at, it really just a picture of the Christmas story, and I want to look at how this came came through and came forward um, into uh, the world. And I want us to look at Malachi chapter three, verse one. And this was the prophet Malachi. He would be the last prophet in the Old Testament, and he would uh, begin to tell us to prepare, and that there would be a messenger, that there would be a moment that Jesus. Steps into the temple. Look what it says. It says, Behold, I send my messenger. And it says, He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launder's soap. What do we see here? Several things. Is we see that one is promised to come. A messenger is coming. And then two, we see that he's coming into the temple. And so I want to show you in the New Testament what this represents, what it means for you. How it can encourage you in your waiting and how it can encourage you to change. Because we all need a little encouragement to change And we need to be reminded And as we take communion uh, The first Sunday of the month today as well We're supposed to do this in remembrance of him That we're supposed to remind ourselves What the center and focus of our life is And it's the person of Jesus And whenever he says Whatever he does whatever's revealed in his word Is how we want to live And how we want to walk There's a great theologian that I've come to love Really a, a pastor Um, A a martyr And I've referenced him time After time But Diedrich Bonhoeffer was One of the most prolific uh, Really Christian leaders in the 20th century If you know anything about his story He uh, was a priest And a pastor uh, An evangelist In the time of the Nazi regime And he was a wonderful author He wrote, you've probably heard of his book Discipleship And one of the most Um popular quotes in that book was when christ uh calls a man he bids him to come and die well there's another book um that he was actually in the process of writing and it was uh titled unfinished ethics and as he was in the process of writing this nazis came in to his study arrested him and and took him uh away where he would be eventually martyred so the book was not completed but there's a quote in this book that uh Would be the most popular as you look into it And it it says this And this is really what I want us to see this morning As we're talking about Christmas and change Uh, But he says this And if you have it in the back you can put it up But it says when a human being confronts Jesus The human being must either die or kill Jesus And when you see that It it makes you kind of stand back and say What is he saying here That sounds a bit radical and that's kind of how I felt of, of what, are, what is he trying to get to and what is he trying to say here. But it's as radical as it may seem, it's very true. And it has great application to our life today because what he's saying is, and what we're going to look into as we get into Scripture, is when revelation of Jesus comes, do you either embrace it or are you like Peter in the Bible? We're either one of two people. We're either Peter or we're Pilate. Peter says, I'll bear my cross and do whatever. Pilate says, as the revelation of Jesus came, what did he do? He washed his hands and sent him off. So there's the decision of our life is, are we going to be Peter? And when Jesus comes to us and beckons us to change, are we going to bear our cross and walk it out? Or are we going to be that of Pilate who washes our hands clean and says, I'm not willing to bear that cross. See, I believe this is the point of a mature Christian, of when you read God's word and you wrestle with God's word. Do you allow it to change you and to impress upon you? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into your true identity? Because it comes... Some things have to die in your life in order to become who God truly called you to be. And we don't like change, nor do we like to let things die, because one, they can be comfortable, they can be security for us, they can be things that we've, even in our theology or even in our politics, that puts this varnish on the life of Jesus, that when we see him, we have to see through our, the politics of Jesus or a theological concept of Jesus But it's getting to the unvarnished person of Jesus. Think of it this way. When you put a varnish on something, it's usually uh, in regards to a stain. That you take an unfinished material and you begin to varnish it the dye or the color that you want. And when you put that varnish on, you're changing the integrity or you're changing the, the authenticity of that material. And if we're not careful, we've got to evaluate and we do this through repentance where we don't allow our relationship with God to become varnished, but it's pursuing the unvarnished person of Christ where we're not allowing the world, we're not allowing the enemy that there is this, this standard that the word of God says that when the enemy comes in like the flood, a spirit of, of the spirit of God raises a standard. And so when you live in that standard, you can have victory. You can walk in your authority. And you can do as, as Bonhoeffer was illustrating, that when the truth comes, you can be willing to die to what we think is right, what I think is right, what you think is right. And I can begin to follow. I can begin to change. And I can change in repentance. When I change my way of thinking, my living follows. And so Malachi is challenging that, Not only saying that one is coming, but are you ready to handle? Can you handle when he comes? And I think this is the biggest truth, is in our walk with God, are we preparing ourselves to handle when the breakthrough comes? Are we preparing ourselves to handle when truth meets us? Because many times, if I'm honest with myself and just in general, we are not preparing ourselves. Simply think of it this way. If you don't have a prayer life, you sure have a prayer life when a crisis hits, where if you build your prayer life consistency, consistently, you're in the word of God, you're in the house of God, you're on the people of God. Then when you meet the crisis, you're able to handle it steady and stable because you've prepared. And so when change then beckons you or a moment or a circumstance, you can walk through this with faith, with trust and knowing that this is, a moment of change but you're going to be able to walk through that because you've prepared so he's saying that just like it says in in verse 2 that who can endure the day of his coming and we see that um, he would be coming to the temple and in, in the time of Malachi the temple would have been rebuilt that it was destroyed that the ark of, as the, is the, is the temple was built back to the specs of Solomon's temple so it looked the same but there was something missing and it was the ark of the covenant and the ark of the covenant in Jeremiah went missing, we don't know where it went, they didn't have it so there was this sense of that they've prepared and built this beautiful temple but there was no presence of God to fill it and see there's so many times in our life as we're building a temple for him Ourselves, We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're building this, but then our faith has to kick in and to wait is, will you then fill what I'm building and preparing and putting away and bringing in? And so this is where they're at of. As I'm building this temple, will he come and fill it? Or am I just twiddling my thumbs or am I wasting my time or am I really hearing God in these areas of my life? And so we see that as Malachi is challenging them and preparing them, um, that we know that in the New Testament that the messenger that he's talking of is the cousin of Jesus, the son of Zechariah, John the Baptist. So this is the messenger that we see uh, come through and come about and fulfill this prophecy. But as we look and we look at the temple first, we see that in Luke chapter 19, you know the story that this is where Jesus came into the temple, that previously it was his triumphal entry. What's the triumphal entry? It's, it's what we celebrate in Easter where palm branches were laid. Jesus came in, they began declaring Hosanna in the highest, and Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and then following his triumphal entry, the Son of God, God himself in the flesh through Jesus, steps into the temple. You see the scripture, what did he do when he came into the temple? Do you think that they were ready to handle the revelation of Jesus? As you read Luke 19, the answer would be no. They weren't ready to handle what Jesus was about to do and and the change he was about to bring. Look what it says. It says, then he went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, hear this. The scribes and the leaders of the people sought to what? Destroy him. They couldn't handle the change. They weren't ready to embrace a new covenant, a new way of thinking, a new way of living. And as Malachi addresses in Malachi chapter three, his challenge isn't to delay faithful to the congregation his challenge is primarily to the priesthood to the leaders of that day and and what we see here is jesus comes into the temple it drove them nuts it drove them crazy they could not control and they couldn't stand that he was teaching daily in the temple so that they began to talk to the principalities the powers that be and they sought of how they can kill jesus and i pray you're seeing the point that what bonhoeffer said is correct When revelation comes to you You either die Or you kill Jesus And their response was not to receive This revelation to receive this covenant But was to kill Jesus We look And as we continue to look at Malachi Then we see That yes there was a temple A place that was fulfilled But then there was also um, A messenger And this messenger again was John the Baptist and we see in in Luke chapter 3 verse 1 through 6 and verse 1 it it gives the genealogy and and gives the timeline and verse 2 it says when Ananias and Caiaphas were high priests it says the word of God came to John son of Zacharias in the wilderness and it says that he went into all the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins as it was written in the words of the book of Isaiah And then he quotes Isaiah But we see that John the Baptist was this messenger You read more of Malachi chapter 3 It said that the messenger that would come Would be in the power and in the spirit of Elijah Elijah we know was not a, a very liked prophet That he would challenge the um, opponents of his day Like Ahab and Jezebel And uh, that he would challenge the people that were worshiping the false gods of Baal and call them to tr- change and call them to turn. And I, I love prophets because um, when everything is going well, they're usually bringing, uh, they're the, the bristle, they're the sandpaper, they're calling people out of their comfort. And then when everything and it turns south and there's calamity, they're there to comfort and to bring truth and to bring direction in the middle of the disaster. So, this is how Malachi, as you read his story, he, he did both and was faithful to his call. Uh, but John the Baptist fulfills and, and comes in the power and the spirit of Elijah. I, I love how it even says that Elijah wore um, like a, a leather, a soft back, and ate locusts and honey. It mentions these things, and it was the same as what John the Baptist would do, of even his dress and. His food, these little details mentioned to show us that this is prophecy being fulfilled. And so when we see John the Baptist come, he begins to prepare the way. And when you think of the time, you've got to understand the context of when he's coming because Rome was the superpower. And the minute you start messing with Rome and the context of John the Baptist calling, Jerusalem to repentance, those in Rome to repentance, it had political implication that if you're calling people to change, you're challenging the superpower that was um, was leading, calling the shots. You even uh, look into some of the details that the high priest of the time, you look at the high priest was selected, not, uh, not out of authenticity in the way that things were set up to be In the word of God But it was so corrupt at that time That if you wanted to become the high priest Rome owned the position And would sell it to the highest bidder And so everything In its power Came through Rome Even to how the temple was designed And set up because of extortion And corruption So as as John the Baptist is coming on the scene He's challenging a corrupt system And if you begin to challenge A corrupt system You're going to ruffle some feathers you're going to make some people mad and you're going to see that what uh, even cost john the baptist his life uh, he became a martyr is when he he looked at herod and he said no you cannot marry your brother's sister and that's what caused herod to rise up in arms and eventually call for the head of john the baptist so you can see john the baptist was brazen Um, he didn't he didn't value his life as in so much to compromise the truth. And so when you even, and I was thinking about this, and we think of even some um, similarities between Rome and America as one superpower to another. As I was studying this, there's this motto um, that held true to how Rome understood themselves and how they described themselves. And it was this Latin term, and it was "moto Novus Ortis Seclorum, which means a new order of the ages. So they saw themselves as the new order of the ages. And what's fascinating about this is if you pull out a, a piece of money, I have a $1 bill, you'll actually see this phrase at the bottom of um, the pyramid with the funky looking eye on the back You'll see underneath it says that very thing Novus Ordo Seclorum That it's the new order, the new age And so when the kingdom of God was trying to come onto the scene They were challenging the superpower that, be, that was And so we're going to see kind of how all this plays in But even uh, Herod and Pilate, they would be known as, as you see this phrase in, in literature and in, in, in poems and all of these things. You would see another phrase known as the Pax Romana, which means salvation, that they saw themselves as the salvation of the land and of the world. So as you have the kingdom of God breaking onto the scene, it is challenging the superpower, the new order, the age that was to bring salvation That Rome saw themselves as the savior of the world and here's John the Baptist saying no the real savior of the world is breaking on the scene so you better prepare to change but as we saw they weren't ready to change they weren't prepared to change and so that's when we see the plotting and the planning to kill Jesus so we go on to see and John the Baptist as he preached and as he did and as he confronted eventually he would be imprisoned and as he would be imprisoned and put in a dungeon, scripture shows us uh, in Luke chapter 7 that he began to get tired he began to wonder is this revolution ever going to take place and this is for you and I, we have to think in times in our waiting, we can grow weary and we can begin to doubt what God spoke, we can begin to doubt His Word and question Is what we thought ever going to take place? John the Baptist was right there. And so in Luke chapter 7, verse 18, we see that John in his prison, because John had his own disciples, pretty neat. He had those that followed him because he was preparing the way for Jesus. Again, John and Jesus were cousins. And so it says that he began to send some of his followers to send a message to Jesus. He was in the prison. He's sending a message to Jesus. And he's kind of freaking out a little bit that is this thing actually going to happen? Are you? Am I going to be set free? And can we start this revolution? Because I'm tired of being in the dungeon. So as we read through this quickly, it says, then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, there's a little bit of a back end comment or a, a jab to it. So when they went to Jesus, they said, Are you the coming one, or do we need to look for another? So basically, Jesus is not moving as quick as they think he should be, or he's not rising to the status of a superpower, and this, this army, this force that's going to take Rome by force, overthrow them, and, and bring in the kingdom of God. So even John, his cousin, who was preparing the way for Jesus himself, begins to doubt and get frustrated, And say, are you the coming one, or are we supposed to look for someone else? Because if that's what we got to do, that's what we're going to do. Look, we're going to see Jesus' reply. He says, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one? And again, or do we need to look for another? And at that very hour, he cured. And so here's Jesus' response. At that hour, he cured many of the infirmities, the afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind he gave them sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, that the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Next verse. It says, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me, or blessed is he who is not discouraged because of me. So what we see is Jesus' response to what John the Baptist began to doubt, to what his followers thought that Jesus would be. He showed them first and foremost and reminded them that this is not a kingdom by force where we're going to overthrow Rome with the sword. But what did he do? He demonstrated right there that this is a kingdom that heals. This is a kingdom that heals the soul and the heart. It's a kingdom that opens blind eyes. It's a kingdom that brings a change of mind and as it brings a change of mind, it brings a chain, a way of, of living. So this was Jesus' response to what they thought he should be and that's the thing. Many of his time that were waiting on a revolution were not all about that and many would walk away. Many would get offended. Just like he said, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And so this was Jesus' response back to John the Baptist. And commentary will tell us that um, not only was John the Baptist discouraged, but he sent those that were uh, weak of mind in his following to go to Jesus and be refreshed and reminded what they're fighting for, what they're moving into. And so what I want you to see is this this drawn-out picture that I'm painting for you of what it means to wait. And the rawness and the realness Of Jesus Of his purpose um, That in the waiting Just even as John the Baptist Who was close Who um, was preparing the way For the kingdom Of God For Jesus That there was doubt That there was discouragement And that there was a change of thinking That Jesus brought when he touched And when he did When he healed And when he confronted And this is my challenge for you. Again, either we're a Peter or we're a pilot. When truth is confronted, when we're confronted with truth, we have the opportunity and the moment that we're either going to change and embrace it by the power of of the Holy Spirit, or we're going to step over here because it's uncomfortable, it challenges the way we were raised, it challenges our thinking, it challenges our relationships maybe it would make me unfavorable in some transaction or some deal. But when your heart is to to be all who God has called you to be, to walk in the fullness of the faith, truth will confront you. And in that moment, are you going to allow things die so that things can come alive in you? Think of it this way. We have to die, right? This is the, the gospel, the gospel message is we have to die so Jesus can bring us to life, right? The old man dies, the new man comes. It's the same here, is unless we die, we can never be raised to life. And Alex, we're gonna celebrate your decision to be baptized, that you're gonna come down, the old man will go into a watery grave, and the new you, the new man, the spirit man, will come alive in you. And so Alex this morning is choosing to say, some things in my life are gonna die. Sin nature in my life is gonna die. My old desires, my old way of thinking is gonna die and I'm going to be raised to life in Christ. And so this is a picture and I want you to see as we, as we have this baptism that you be challenged of and you just ask the Holy Spirit of what are some things in my life that need to go? What are some things in my life that need to die that are blocking and stopping the flow of the Spirit in my life? that um, I've put off because it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's, it's some things that just need to be, you need to come all the way through so that you can really be set free. See, there's many times that I have to go back to things in my life when I was presented some truth. I never allowed it its full work in my life. And there's times God will bring me back to those moments that you know what, I need to go back here. Remember when I was dealing with you here, Garrett? That you need to go back here and allow the fullness of it to come forward and to come through in your life. And so as you get to this place, allow your thinking to change, your state of being to change, what you're doing to change. That as you get to the unvarnished Jesus, because John, some of his followers, they put a varnish over him that they wanted him to be something that he didn't come to do. And Jesus is good enough. When you come to him, he will remind you of who he is and what he's been sent to do, just like he did there. They were sent back encouraged that Jesus is doing, he's moving, he's alive and well, that this revolution is going to happen. But it's not gonna be a revolution of the sword. It's gonna be a revolution of the spirit that's gonna change hearts and minds and bring dead men to life. So I want you to stand this morning. I want you to pray. I wanna pray for you rather. And I want to invite our our worship team up. I want you just to bow your head and take a moment in reflection. I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit. Believe he's speaking to you. Believe he's touching you. Now you would just ask him as we prepare to take communion together. That there be no, any sin known or unknown. Anything in your life that maybe you're even wrestling with, that you're trying to get breakthrough in, be it mentally, spiritually, a relationship. That you would simply say, I'm gonna put the way I think this thing should happen. I'm gonna put the way I think success or progress can happen in this area of my life. And just say, I want... The unvarnished Jesus. I want him at his word. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That however he wants, whatever he wants to do in my heart, in my mind, in my life, that I open up to the one who can do it. And as I'm presented with truth, that I wrestle with it, but ultimately I allow it to change me. That I repent of my wrong thinking. And I step as I repent, I rise in renewal To a right way of living Father, we thank you That you don't miss a beat You know us That you invite us into this loving relationship That's Christ-centered, that's focused We ask right now that as we prepare our hearts for communion That you would shower your grace upon us that we need abundant grace You've given us abundant grace You've given us the word of life So Father We ask that you challenge Our wrong thinking You challenge any theology in our life That maybe is incorrect God That nothing is off limits to you And as you open up our eyes As you lift the scales We can come And sit, and sit by your side And you can teach us You can love us you can raise us up and pull us out of a dark place you can begin to teach us that you don't have to abide in a in an atmosphere of fear or an atmosphere of doubt but we can walk and live in the house of love that you've created for us where there's freedom there's understanding there's knowledge wisdom Father, we ask that you do this work in us this morning. We thank you that you give us your heart, that there is a transfer that takes place. In Jesus' name. As we prepare to take communion, you can grab the elements on the seat back in front of you. We're going to take a moment to worship. But there's this powerful prayer that I want to share with you and in it's an early church prayer. It's actually known as the prayer of St. Francis. And it gives a, a picture of God doing a work in us. It says this. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is inquiry, show me pardon.'" Where there is doubt, give me faith, and where there is despair, give me hope. Where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And hear this. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts to you. We surrender. We ask that as we patiently wait for fresh comings of your spirit, fresh comings of the Word of God, that as we study, as we meditate, as we respond, as we make a choice today to let some things die that we remember as we partake of Holy Communion together that you give us this visible sign of an invisible reality that points to you to show us that you are with us that you are our ever-present help no matter how dark it may be no matter how many questions we may have that salvation is not just in something but it's in someone and it's Jesus Jesus So we thank you for the blood of Jesus We remember The sacrifice that you paid for us We remember How you've redeemed us How you've pardoned us How you've cancelled our debt And give us this revelation Of what Jesus Has truly done for us Because in it We have a foundation We have strength We can look at anything that stands in front of us and we're reminded of who we are in Christ. So Father, we thank you that this transfer, that this moment, that this exchange of your grace for our sin, this exchange for our, def- for our defeat, for your victory, that you would do this work in us. The gospel says this, it says that he took the cup. He gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup. After supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. I want you to have your own baptism right now as we worship. Where you allow the body and the blood of Christ to come alive in you to bring revelation to you, that some things need to change. We all have an inner Pharisee in us that says we don't need to change. Let's allow the spirit of God to challenge that inner Pharisee, that we choose not to be a pilot. Let's not wash our hands of this revelation that God through his Holy Spirit is giving us. Because I believe as a fresh wind blows through your heart, through your mind, through your life, your family, it comes with a challenge and it comes with a choice. And if you can choose to die to some things, to make some different decisions, you're going to see him come alive in you. So let's ask for the heart of God. His kindness is going to lead us to repentance. And I just want the presence of God to wash over. you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope and pray that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with Christ. Have a wonderful week.